Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. And it seems we might just have a brief break from the rain for a few hours this morning, but then the rain's going to pick right back up. And Well, I'll let Mike Roberts tell you all about that because we've got some exciting stuff in store on the show today. But let's begin as we do each and every day in prayer. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's very good to be with you on this Friday morning, and we are looking forward to a beautiful weekend together uh, as a family. But first, let's get through today. And there's a lot of joy in getting through Friday. I always enjoy Fridays in the office because you have that sense of accomplishment looking back at what you've accomplished the week prior and a little bit of excitement about what's coming the following week. Speaking of excitement on the show today, we are going to have with us here in studio Clyde Nasser, and then later we will be joined by telephone by the Bishop of the Diocese of Jefferson City, Bishop Sean McKnight. He will be with us as well to talk about some exciting things that happened earlier this week out in the Diocese of Jefferson City and uh, to shed some light on how that can open our eyes to how we look at things in our own individual churches. But we'll talk more about that later on in the show. For our radio listeners as well today, we are going to be taking a look at tomorrow. Tomorrow is the Feast of the Annunciation. And so what a a beautiful day it is. In fact, today, perhaps to prepare for that, you know, pray an extra set of mysteries with your rosary. And then also for our radio listeners today, we are going to be talking about prayer. We're going to hear a wonderful homily on prayer from Father Schumacher. We'll have our catechiz. We'll have our daily dose of encouragement. We will have the weather and the saint of the day, which that's what we're going to go to right now. Today is the feast day of St. Oscar Romero. Born in El Salvador in 1917, he was one of the eight children of Santos and Guadalupe de Jesus. Oscar went to public school until third grade, was tutored privately until he was 13, and then taken in as an apprentice by his father to become a carpenter. Always devoted to his faith, soon Oscar told his family he wanted to become a priest. He had to wait a year, but... When he was in his mid-teens, he was accepted into the seminary and ordained in 1942. However, because of travel being restricted during the war, his family could not attend his ordination. For the next two decades, Oscar worked as a parish priest overseeing the construction of San Miguel Cathedral and starting an Alcoholics Anonymous group. He also developed a deep devotion to the Blessed Mother, specifically Our Lady of Peace. In 1977, Oscar Romero was made Archbishop of San Salvador at the beginning of an extremely difficult time there. In 1979, the revolutionary government junta came to power and was determined to eliminate anyone opposed to them. Romero's good friend and Jesuit priest, Father Rutio Grande, who was devoted to aiding the poor by helping them become self-sufficient, was assassinated. That was a turning point for the Archbishop, who said, If they have killed him for what he did, I must walk the same path. Then five more priests were murdered. 
Romero began a weekly radio broadcast often critical of the United States for its support of the military junta running his country. On the night before his murder, Archbishop Romero said in his broadcast, I would like to appeal in a special way to the men of the army and in particular the troops of the National Guard. No soldier is obliged to obey an order counter to the law of God. No one has to comply with an immoral law. It is the time now that you recover your conscience and obey its dictates rather than the command of sin. In the name of God, cease the repression. The next day, this day, in 1980, he was shot through the heart by assassins while saying Mass. He was canonized in 2018 by Pope Francis. St. Oscar Romero, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Clyde Nasser has been with us the last few weeks here on Roadmap to Heaven and in the afternoons on Covenant Network with some reflections about Holy Week and Christ as the bridegroom and the church as the bride that you and I. And today is no exception. Clyde, it's good to have you with us again. Uh, nice to be here, Adam. I really appreciate it. All right. Now, we've talked about the wedding overall. We've talked about processions. We've talked about the best man, John the Baptist. I remember. I remember what we've learned here. This week, we're going to talk about the garment, you know, and that's something that we, we read about this every year in the Passion, that for his garment, the soldiers didn't rip it and divide it among themselves or cut it up. They cast lots, which I have to be honest, every time I've thought about this, I'm like, well, yeah, why wouldn't they cast lots for it? Because, I mean, what good is half of a shirt, Right. Exactly. But you're here to tell us there's a deeper meaning behind all of this? There's even more behind it. And obviously the seamless garment points towards a priest. And Jesus being the ultimate high priest for us, that's a deep meaning in it. But what somebody may not know is in the first century, when a bridegroom was getting married, they would be dressed much in the same way that a priest would be dressed as. They would have that same seamless garment that was on them. And it's pointed to us from John 19 through 23, this idea of the seamless garment that comes to us. It's not ripped. It's not torn. And when we point also to the current high priest that's there in Israel, Caiaphas, Caiaphas actually rips his. So there's a lot of symbolic meaning behind this in that He's ripped his, so he's not the true high priest. Jesus Christ is the true high priest that we get to see from beyond that. But the bridegroom in that first century would wear that, and that was pointed out to us in Leviticus and in Exodus, this idea that the bridegroom was this priest for a day. He was a king for a day. And we start to see this march through Holy Week, and we can continue to understand how Jesus is actually getting married and getting married to the church. Now, the other thing that comes to mind that when we think of seamless garment, you know, it's not just that the soldiers didn't rip the garment and that's what made it seamless. It was already seamless going into this. And I'm starting to think about this. And and listeners, I want you to visualize it for a moment with me. Like, think of the clothing you're wearing now. I am willing to wager a fairly large sum of money that every last one of us is wearing a piece of clothing that has seams in it right now. Seamless garments are very uncommon. And to have something regal, like the robe of a king or of royalty or of a priest, that's going to be a lot of material to be a garment that is one piece, no seams. And so this is indeed, uh, just as the tuxedo I wore on my wedding day was a special outfit for me, 
this is not just, oh, he had a nice cloak. It'd be a shame for us to rip it with a sword. Yep. And uh, my classes that I have at St. Boniface, we were actually trying to figure this out. I'm hardly a seamstress, so trying to figure out how it could be seamless, you couldn't sew it in the same way because it seems like eventually you're going to run into some place. You'd be like, you would see these uh, TV shows where the person decided to make a potholder and then it turned into a scarf and suddenly it's this 300-foot thing. But you got to find a way to make the garment in such a way. And I, the only thing I could figure was you started at the neck and you just kept making concentric circles that kept going around. But I, I think we need to bring in a, a seamstress to tell us how to right. do this. Next time on Roadmap to Heaven, we'll have a seamstress here to, to break this open for us. But again, this all points back, and, and I want to wrap up with this today, this all points back to this whole idea that when we look at well, we like to talk about it this way in, in the gift of marriage, and when we, especially in St. John Paul II's theology of the body, that marital love, that marital union is free, total, fruitful, and faithful. And that corresponds exactly with how our Lord gives himself to us on the cross. He freely goes to the cross. He doesn't say, Well, I'll give you part of my life. He gives his entire life. He dies on the cross. He doesn't get a bad cold for our sake or have a toenail removed. He dies on the cross. It's free. It's total. Because of it, we have the opportunity to go to heaven as long as we continually have that conversion to him and not stay in a life of mortal sin. So that is fruitful and it's faithful. You know, it doesn't matter what I did yesterday. He's not going to say, well, you know, Adam, I know you came to reconciliation, but because of that one sin you committed five years ago, I remember what you thought about X, Y, or Z. Uh, yeah, you're, we're done. You know, it, he is forever faithful, even when we're not. And that is everything as I look at my marriage with my wife that I hope we could always be for one another, free, total, fruitful, and faithful. Yeah, it, and if we look at Ephesians as the the obvious point to what we want marriage to really be, we see that total self-giving of Jesus Christ on the cross. And we should apply that to our own marriages that we see this, our total self-giving to each other, that the two flesh become one, that my I'm trying to drag my wife into heaven at the same time that she's trying to drag me into heaven. And if we look at it that way and we see this total sacrifice on the cross, Jesus coming into this bride and coming out with the church on the other side, the church is holy not because of me or any of the members or the priests that's at my particular parish. The church is completely holy because of what Christ's self-sacrifice was on the cross. We need to keep our minds on that at all times to understand that. Yeah, and I know the priest at your parish. You have a great priest, and uh, he he does a lot to show us what our Lord did, but at the end of the day, it's not you, it's not me, it's not even our priest. It's what God did, what the Son of God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, did on a cross and continually represents on the altars of our parishes and churches throughout the world daily. Clyde, this is always a fascinating conversation. I can't wait to tune in this afternoon after the Stations of the Cross at 4 o'clock here on Covenant Network and hear a little bit more about the wedding banquet. On uh, We have a name for your, your reflections here, Quo Vadis. Where, where are you going? Exactly. Um, this comes to us from that trip uh, from Peter when he's sentenced to death, and he He's released from prison by other Christians. We're told this by tradition. He starts to walk on the Appian Way. Halfway down, he encounters Jesus Christ coming with his cross. When Peter sees him, he says, 
Domini Quovatus, where are you going, Jesus? And Jesus tells him, I'm going to be crucified for a second time. In this particular instance, Peter realizes that he's the one that's supposed to be crucified here, tells the Lord, no, I'm going to go back and die. And so this goes on. So tradition hands this down to him. And my wife's always asking me, where are you going? And she makes me think about exactly, I'm trying to point myself in the correct direction. So I'm going to throw that saying in front of myself as much as I can so I can keep myself trying to point in the right way. Well, we'll be sure to go to the radio dial at 4 o'clock. That's where we'll be going. In the meantime, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. A prayer for the Archbishop. Heavenly Father, in these trying times when the spirit of the age threatens Christian values, give our Bishop holiness of life and wisdom to direct and guide our Archdiocesan family so that we may grow in your love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. For those listening on 88.1 KHJR out of St. Thomas, Jefferson City, it was a very special day the other day as the new bells were blessed prior to their installation as part of the renovations of the Cathedral of St. Joseph. And we are honored to be speaking today with the Bishop of Jefferson City, Bishop Sean McKnight. Your Excellency, it's so great to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Hello, Adam. It's great being with you. I have to say, I have been watching with excitement all of the videos the diocese has been posting about the renovations at the cathedral, and it's always a wonderful thing to celebrate the home church of a diocese and a place where everyone can come together for mass, for adoration, for prayer, for the sacraments. And this is really a landmark event because for the first time in the history of the diocese and of the cathedral, bells are now going to be installed at the cathedral. I wonder if you could tell us why that is so important to have bells as part of the cathedral. Well, bells have always served a very important purpose, not only for our church in calling people to worship and to the devotional life, things like the Angelus and other times of significant prayer. If you think of the church bells of even other denominations and towns and villages and even in cities, they have an important place in civic life as well in sort of fostering a, a rhythm of life, and we hope to be able to provide that here and will now with these new bells uh, in the city, uh, Jefferson City. But it should be noted that they were planned for at, with the first bishop of Jefferson City, Bishop Marling. He wanted a bell tower, but because of funds were short, he had to cut that out. And so in our renovation, major renovation of the cathedral, uh, we've been blessed to be able to incorporate new bell towers in the new entryway to fulfill that dream that Bishop Marling had. That's a, a great joy for the diocese, I'm sure. Now, in the video that was posted, it was a one of those things we don't see every day, the blessing of bells prior to their installation. And there were a few things that I took note of. First and foremost... The bells are named, which I, I never would have thought of all the things that we have in the church. I mean, we have names for things like the thurible that we put the incense in, but we don't name the thurible with a person's name, or we, we don't name the ambo or the choir loft, for example. But the bells themselves have been given names. Why is that? You know, I have an idea, and I certainly don't want to define or give an exact reason for it, because there could be many. You know, anything significant in our lives, we tend to give a nickname to it, right? And for example, we think of Big Ben. Everybody knows what Big Ben is in London. 
And it, anything that is of importance and that is dear to us, we, we kind of want to provide a name. And with bells and their unique importance in terms of providing a reminder of the presence of the church in a community, and indeed a reminder of the presence of God itself, we have the visual representation of the church in the cathedral, the building. But now with bells, we will have, through you know the personality of the sounds of each of those bells, like angels that can convey that message of God's presence always with us. So I think it has something to do with what's endearing to people. And over time, once you get used to something like bells that are ringing every hour throughout the day, they become very much part of what we consider home and what's close to us. So I think that's where the desire comes from within the Church and why it has been a practice traditionally to name bells. I love that the names you have picked for these bells, and I'm assuming this is no coincidence that these bells that announce these calls to prayer throughout the diocese and throughout the area are named after the four evangelists, St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Luke, and St. John. That's it. And as they were the first evangelists, the bells continue today to ring out and proclaim the good news of the presence of God and His mercy here in our community. One of the things, as we mentioned at the beginning of our interview, that caught my attention was the blessing of the bells and this wonderful video of you and the school students from the cathedral school and a few others gathered under the newly constructed portico. What probably wasn't, you know, the the most pleasant day, it was raining, it was a little chilly, but still taking the time for this blessing of the bells. And there are so many things that are being installed as part of this renovation project. And I know that in early May, you will reconsecrate and rededicate the cathedral uh, with a, a special liturgy for that. But why a blessing of the bells now? Again, it's the ritual is there in order to signify the importance of those elements of the cathedral itself. And since they, the bells play such a significant role in the the life of the church and the life of the local community, they are deserving of that special blessing. And as you noted, it was raining very lightly, and it was nice to have a portico to gather, uh, which we did not have before, that the bells were somewhat already wet. And when it came time for me to sprinkle them with holy water, I thought to myself, well, I guess God is blessing them too (laughs) with with the rain. But it's a significant moment. It's something, as I remarked later in the day, that I have never done that before, and I don't know how often I will be doing that in the future to have the uh, the privilege of, of blessing newly cast bells. Last question for you this morning. As we talk about the project as a whole, and again, in early May, there will be an opportunity on May 7th for those who wish to visit the cathedral. There will be an open house that afternoon from 1 to 4 p.m. Why the importance of this entire project of taking the cathedral, which in the grand scheme of things, uh, the cathedral opened in 1968. It's relatively young in the life of the church. But why the importance on this home church of the diocese having this project to renovate it and go forward into the next several years? The renewal of the cathedral stands as a physical manifestation, if you will, of the renewal of the church that's ongoing especially under the pontificate of Pope Francis, but also our recent popes since the Second Vatican Council. And I see our attention being paid to hospitality in this renovation project as being a sign of what we want to be as church in all of our parishes. Another important uh, element for us in the Diocese of Jefferson City is that 
a greater recognition of what the cathedral is. It's just not one of uh, another sister parish, if you will, church. It is the mother church, and it is the place that everyone throughout the whole diocese, and not just in the city, uh, Jefferson City, um, could claim as their own, as where they belong. It's the bishop's church. And our communion as Catholics hinges upon our relationship with our local bishop and the pope. And that's why the cathedral is such a significant thing for us as, as Roman Catholics, because it reminds us that we're not just belonging to a particular congregation, but in fact to the universal church. So that's why it's a great honor, and I'm very delighted that uh, the Pope's ambassador to the United States, Archbishop Christophe Pierre, will be doing and presiding at the rite for the rededication of the cathedral. Oh, that's absolutely wonderful. And again, that massive rededication is on May 5th, but due to limited space, attendance at the rededication is by invitation only, but it will be live streamed. So for those of you yes. listening outside of the diocese even, if you have never seen a massive rededication, you can pray along from home by viewing the live stream. And then everyone is invited on Sunday, May 7th for an open house at the cathedral from 1 to 4 p.m. where the bells will ring. And uh, what, what a joyous sound. Bishop McKnight, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Could I ask you to share a prayer with our listeners? Yes, absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we continue on our journey through the season of Lent and look forward to the celebration of the Paschal Mystery at Easter, help us to be mindful of our call to witness your love and mercy in our lives to others. And this we ask through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We are going to take a break, but don't go anywhere. Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Our catechist question is about bells. Well, tangentially about bells. We are coming close to Holy Week, and from the Gloria on Holy Thursday through the Gloria at the Easter Vigil, the bells of the church remain silent. They're rung during the Gloria, and they don't ring again until the Gloria at the Easter Vigil. In some places, though, when it comes time for the consecration, because the bells are not rung, you will hear a wooden clapper making noise. Do you know the name of that clapper? I'll give you a clue. Its name is shared with a snake. Well, and unless you're, I guess, is that herpetology? Uh, I don't know. I I skipped that part of the zoo because I don't like snakes. Uh, The name of the device is called the crotalus, or in Spanish, matraca, uh, a crotalum or a clapper, and it's a wooden device, and it can either Uh, be like a hammer swinging back and forth, or kind of like a ratchet sound. And that is what that is called. And you may hear that in your parish on Holy Thursday, that wooden clapper in place of the bells. We're going to get you another check of the weather here this morning, and then the Daily Dose of Encouragement. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven.
We'll be back in a little bit. Prayer to the Blessed Virgin. Oh, Mary, you desire so much to see Jesus loved. If you love me, this is the favor which I ask of you, to obtain for me a great personal love of Jesus Christ. You obtain from your Son whatever you please. Pray then for me that I may never lose the grace of God, and that I may increase in holiness and perfection from day to day. By that grief which you suffered on Calvary, when you beheld Jesus expire on the cross, obtain for me a happy death, that by loving Jesus and you, my mother, on earth I may receive the reward of loving and blessing you eternally in heaven. Well, our children may not have come with instruction manuals, but luckily this week, Patty Schneier has had some wonderful encouragements for us on passing the faith on to our children. So I guess we could say sometimes the encouragement we get from our friends can be the best instruction manual. Patty, how are we wrapping up the week today? We're going to wrap up the week with some just some routines. We talked about consistency a little bit yesterday, but some routines are just very, very important so that it becomes like breathing. And I would recommend some of these routines. Just We always went actually to most of the time the same Mass. We went to 9 o'clock Mass on Sunday. Our kids just knew 9 o'clock Mass on Sunday. We sat in the front. They just knew. They also knew we had Sunday clothes. Sunday clothes. I did not want to have arguments and fights over what to wear for church. So we would go shopping and these are your Sunday clothes. These are your Sunday shoes. It sounds silly, but it was important for us to just have that so I didn't have to have those battles. Also sometimes if there was a sporting event or a game afterwards, no, you can just change in the car. Our kids learn how to change in the car quite often. Not a problem. I would recommend families stay. Stay after Mass talking with people. Stay. Be leisure about your Sunday Mass. Not rush off to the next thing. Involvement in parish life is huge. I think, of course, our kids just loved being up at church for all the events. And we also started inviting people over, our parish priests, for potluck dinners at church, but also inviting them over to our house. We invited seminarians over for dinner as well. We went to a lot of activities that were Catholic. But I probably think the most important thing was just teaching our children to pray from the heart. At bedtime at night, around the dinner table, praying from the heart in our own words. And anybody can do this, but it's a beautiful thing to teach your children to pray from the heart. So I would recommend just those little tiny, most of you probably do this already, but see how you can encourage this with your children. Because really, when you pray from the heart with someone, it's a window into their soul. And your children will actually share what's on their heart, what went on in school, praying for their friends, praying what they're thinking about. So you want to open up that window to have conversations with your child about faith. And you can do that when you model it for them. Maybe it's at the dinner table. Maybe it's at bedtime to pray from the heart. Perhaps you know another parent that would benefit from these encouragements we've received this week. Well, That's why we have the Daily Dose of Encouragement podcast wherever you like to get your podcast or available at ourcatholicradio.org. Just click on programs and then on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Patty, thank you for this wonderful week. Okay, a few things to put on our radar screens for the next week here. Uh, If you enjoy the weather with Mike Roberts here on Covenant Network, and you've ever heard him speak about Divine Mercy. Mike loves St. Faustina, and he loves the message of Divine Mercy. He is going to be presenting a week from tomorrow at St. Cletus Catholic Church 
for their Legion of Mary. There will be Mass at 8 a.m., followed by the Rosary, and then the presentation at 9 a.m. I've had the pleasure of speaking with the group out there at the Legion of Mary. Uh, wonderful, wonderful people out there. So that's at St. Cletus Parish in St. Charles, Saturday, April 1st. No fooling, Mike Roberts on Divine Mercy, 8 a.m. Mass, followed by the Rosary, followed by Mike's presentation. Uh, also, next week, no roadmap to heaven for you, but the Covenant Network Spring Radiothon. And I want to encourage you to tune in each and every morning at 7 a.m., just like you do so faithfully when we have Roadmap to Heaven. Because this is, I mean, I'll just put it this way. If you appreciate what we do here on the show, we need you to tune in. That's all I'm asking you to do is tune in. Plus, much like we do here on the show where we hear about how People are growing in holiness and hopefully walking away with some things you and I can do to grow in holiness. We'll be meeting with people like that next week, not our uh, normal Roadmap to Heaven guests, but listeners just like you who are growing in holiness and have things to share. So tune in for that. I always enjoy it. I feel like every time we have a Radiothon, it's like a big family reunion, you know, because we're all part of this one big Covenant Network Catholic Radio family. I mean, and even beyond the network, anytime I go somewhere related to Catholic Radio, I, it just feels like a family. And I want to take a moment to thank, I know some, so many of you have come up to say, Adam, I listen to you on the air. I listen to Covenant Network. It is always great, whether it's at a conference or an event or a parish talk or just out in the local community to meet you, the listeners. So please uh, keep keep saying hello. I always enjoy meeting you. And let us know if we can pray for you. We're very happy to pray for your intentions. And I would ask you to please pray for the intentions of your fellow listeners. You know, just this morning, I was having one of those mornings that my back hurt. I didn't want to get out of bed. But I said, you know, I want to go spend some time with our listeners and I knew you guys were praying for me, and that gave me some strength to say, all right, we're going to get through the pain, and we're going to go, and we pray for your intentions, too. Let's pray now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be sure to check out today's show on the podcast. Click like and subscribe if that's where you're listening already. Share it with a friend. And until next time for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today. And don't forget to tune in Monday morning at 7 a.m. for our Radiothon.